Blog Talk Radio. Shortly after the release of an audio, audio recording this past Saturday morning of a conversation that allegedly included Clippers owner Donald Sterling, the NBA commenced an investigation, which among other things included an interview of Mr. Sterling. That investigation is now complete. The central findings of the investigation are that the man whose voice is heard on the recording and on a second recording from the, same, from the same conversation that was released on Sunday is Mr. Sterling, and that the hateful opinions voiced by that man are those of Mr. Sterling. The views expressed by Mr. Sterling are deeply offensive and harmful. That they came from an NBA owner only heightens the damage and my personal outrage. Sentiments of this kind are contrary to the principles of inclusion and respect that form the foundation of our diverse, multicultural, and multi-ethnic league. I am personally distraught that the views expressed by Mr. Sterling came from within an institution that has, that has historically taken such a leadership role in matters of race relations and caused current and former players, coaches, fans, and partners of the NBA to question their very association with the league. To them, and pioneers of the game, like Earl Lloyd, Chuck Cooper, Sweetwater Clifton, the great Bill Russell, and particularly Magic Johnson, I apologize. Accordingly, effective immediately, I am banning Mr. Sterling for life from any association with the Clippers organization or the NBA. Mr. Sterling may not attend any NBA games or practices. He may not be present at any Clippers facility, and he may not participate in any business or player personnel decisions involving the team. He will also be barred from attending NBA Board of Governors meetings or participating in any other league activity. I am also fining Mr. Sterling $2.5 million, the maximum amount allowed under the NBA Constitution. These funds will be donated to organizations dedicated to anti-discrimination and tolerance efforts that will be jointly selected by the NBA and its Players Association. 
As for Mr. Sterling's ownership interest in the Clippers, I will urge the Board of Governors to exercise its authority to force a sale of the team and will do everything in my power to ensure that that happens. This has been a painful moment for all members of the NBA family. I appreciate the support and understanding of our players during this process. And I am particularly grateful for the leadership shown by Coach Doc Rivers, Union President Chris Paul, and Mayor Ke Kevin Johnson of Sacramento, who has been acting as the player's representative in this matter. And and Good evening, everybody, and welcome to King Jordan Radio for May 1st, 2014. This is King Jordan And tonight we are joined with, from the ID Network, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Miss Aphrodite Jones. Good evening, Aphrodite, and welcome back to King Jordan Radio. How are you? Good evening, King Jordan. I'm good. How are you doing? Well, it's been a very uh, interesting week with these uh, racial comments from Mr. Sterling. Uh, very weird how it, it came about with the girlfriend taping him. That was illegal. So let's just get right into it. What is your thoughts on this whole matter? Well, I think what came to mind to me initially before the commissioner spoke and before he's, you know, the, the the actions came against Mr. Sterling is the notion that apparently everybody knew that this man was a racist in the NBA right. before this recording came and surfaced and outed him, so so-called. So that within the organization, all of this time, there were numerous lawsuits against him that we now know about, right? One from a, a famous player, a couple from uh, the government, the federal government sued him because of discrimination in housing uh, that he had, that he threw uh, people of color out of the housing that he owned. Um, a black general so, manager, yes. Yeah, So, so there's... So there's been a history, in other words, of, uh, and, and, and not only a history of rumor, but actual court cases and a settlement out of court with regard to his racism. And it, that being the case, and, and I think also when um, Magic Johnson was asked to comment about this after the recordings were released, I, I believe he said he was aware of the rumors. I, I I know that other players were aware of the rumors. Um, um, I watched a few of them being interviewed, and they said, yes, we're aware of, aware of the rumors. So it, it wasn't a secret, it seems to me, inside the NBA about this man's racism. It was uh, tolerated in a strange way, and I, I find that to be um, – as offensive, perhaps, as the man himself. I, I don't understand in our day and age how this man was able to sit at all of those games and watch these players with what people have called the slave mentality, a plantation owner mentality, 
and nobody really call him out on it prior to this. Let me take the other side of the coin. He's 80 years old. He doesn't know he's being taped. He could be drunk. He could be medicated. Uh, is it fair to tape, tape people and then sort of prosecute them in the NBA, which is against the law to tape somebody in, in L.A.? Is it fair that that's done? I just want to get your take on that. Well, uh, you know, obviously this woman, whoever his quote-unquote, whatever she calls herself, archivist, mistress, whatever the heck she is. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I have other words for women like that that I'm not going to use because I don't need a lawsuit. But whatever, whatever it is she was after, it, it seems to have been attention and money right. and both. And she's hashtagging uh, Random House, I notice, um, with her tweets or comments a few times, which means that she's looking for a book deal out of all of this, and she's already let it be known that there's 100 hours worth of more revealing commentary by this guy, um, this racist. And so she's looking for a book deal. She's looking for attention. Apparently, whatever money he gave her, I think he bought her Ferrari and numerous cars and, you know, whatever it was, the townhouse and whatever it was that she was being uh, uh, given, it wasn't enough for her. So she's looking for her own payday and heyday. And she's now has a platform for that because clearly she's the most wanted get, as they call it in the business, for an interview. And people are going to be swarming around to hear what she has to say about this man and why she was involved with him and what, what it is she really knows about him and how long she knew it and all of the rest of it. And she'll probably capitalize very nicely on this in the form of a book deal and whatever else she can garner. Um, you know, I can just picture it now. Playboy spreads with this lady. So, I mean, uh, you know, um, w- was that... Sorry? There are other women coming out and saying that they had uh, they were mistresses of Mr. Sterling as well. Right, so, but she of course uh, was the first and she's the one with the with the with the goods having taped him illegal or not and apparently claiming that he consented to it, which I find ridiculous because if there was if he had consented to being taped um, there would be, it has to either be in writing or when I do interviews on the phone, I have to say to the person, you're aware that I'm taping this conversation for the purposes of the book. And, and they say yes, and I say, and you're okay with that. And they say yes, and your name is, and I have them spell their name. So that's the way you chronicle an actual recording for a purpose of use in the public. And none of that exists on any of her tapes. To my, that, that's, you know, that's been pretty much established through her attorney. So there's no way he knew she was recording or accepted this, these recordings. And is it fair to taste somebody if they might be on drugs or drunk and, and get their innermost thoughts? Of course not. I mean, everybody has innermost thoughts that uh, right. aren't perfect. Clearly, all of us have our moments where we say things that are, pardon the pun, off color, whether it be about our best friend or about our neighbor or about, you know, our family member. You know, we all have nasty things to say here and there about whatever the thing is. It doesn't have to be about race or creed or it could be anything. But And no one wants to be taped. 
but uh, I go back to the fact that this man has a track record of being right. a racist, and he was sued and what made a huge settlement with one of his players because of his racism. And that was the, the basis of the lawsuit and was sued twice more because of racist uh, in activity, racist, racist, whatever you want to call it, uh, what, what do you call it, actions, I suppose, that he threw people, right. forced people of color out of housing units that he owned. So, uh, I mean, that's, that's where, to me, it, it, I mean, is it, does it matter that she did this illegally and that she's going to profit from it? I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I think in this particular case, I don't have a problem with her profiting from it because she exposed something that needed to be exposed. So I'm not, I'm not actually, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I think that she's a gold digger, but she happened to dig up something that needed to be dug up. So in in her case, I make an exception for, um, you know, I'm not, I don't have any issue that, that she, she profits off. It's good for her. I mean, if that's the case. She exposed somebody who needed to be exposed. I wonder why she stayed there that long, knowing clearly she had to know this from day one. She stayed for four years. I mean, this didn't oh, just happen but, overnight, right? Right. You think that, but you think that this... Go ahead. I think a lot of people said that she was... Uh, uh, he was very jealous that she was hanging out with Magic. And, uh, yes, he said, don't bring him there. But, uh, you know... I guess the the idea that the games might have been boycotted by multiple teams that that came out forced the new commissioner to ban him, not indefinitely, not for 40 years, but for life, giving him essentially the death penalty in uh, sports. So Mm -hmm. uh, that's what happened. Let's listen to this clip of this mistress. I don't want to get your thoughts on the other side. No okay. doubt, V. Stiviano had dreams of making her mark one day. Listen to this. One day I will become president of the United States of America. Yes, that's Stiviano telling the paparazzi about her plans to be president. For now, she'll remain the other woman in the Donald Sterling saga. She reportedly first met Sterling at the 2010 Super Bowl. She claims to be his archivist, but it's unclear exactly what that means. Whether on Sterling's arm at a Clippers game or on her own, she is tabloid fodder. Are you surprised by all the attention that you've been getting? I'm trying to walk my dog. On her Instagram account, where she posted this picture with Magic Johnson that set off Sterling's racist rant, she writes, I do it all, describing herself as an artist, lover, writer, chef, poet, stylist, and philanthropist. Her photos include this one posing as an angel, another in a bathing suit, plus photos of cars with personalized license plates, alleged gifts from Donald Sterling. The plates read, I heart you, V, and V hearts you. Which brings us to another woman in Donald Sterling's life, his wife, Rochelle Sterling. She's been married to the Clippers owner for more than 50 years, a relationship that's also a bit hard to explain given that Rochelle is well aware of Stiviano and her relationship with her husband. So aware that Rochelle filed this lawsuit against Stiviano in March to protect and recover community property. Sterling alleges that Stiviano's conduct was designed to target, befriend, 
seduce, and then entice, cajole, borrow from wealthy older men. The lawsuit claims the cars and money Donald Sterling gave Stiviano were community assets, given without the knowledge, consent, or authorization of his wife. Those include at least $240,000 in living expenses, plus a Ferrari, two Bentleys, and a Range Rover, worth more than $500,000. Also, Stiviano was allegedly given another $1.8 million to buy a duplex in Los Angeles. As far as her husband's comments, on Sunday afternoon, Rochelle Sterling called them despicable, telling TMZ, our family is devastated by the racist comments made by my estranged husband. Whatever their relationship, one thing we know for sure, neither of these women will be cheering on the Clippers alongside Donald Sterling anymore. Randy Kay, CNN, New York. Aphrodite, your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I think that the most telling thing, the first words out of her mouth, that she's going to be the president of the United States, puts us <laughs> right where we need to be on uh, Miss Diviana, which is that she's delusional, and that yeah. uh, you know, it, she is out to she's she's power hungry. She's not just money hungry. And that's why perhaps she hung around this guy for four years because she saw him as somebody who was powerful and it could bring her to the likes of Magic Johnson, which, in fact, happened for her. And I think you're right. I think that uh, it was the fact that she was hanging on Magic Johnson's arm that got him riled up and, and then produced this, this rant. But uh, back to what the rest of the, the commentary from her about whether or not she wanted media attention and, and the fact that, you know, what did she think of it? And she pretended to be more interested in her dog and putting this crazy mask, whatever it was, over her face uh, that we see in the in the TMZ shots of her. She's got some kind of wind mask on her face. Yeah. Yeah, all, all of this is, is, is she, she's, she thinks she's, you know, what is she, Michael Jackson? I mean, really. She thinks she's she thinks she's delusional. She she wants to be a cross between, uh, you know, I, I don't know whoever is the most sought after, you know, Kim Kardashian and and uh, and President Obama. That's who where she, somehow she thinks she's somewhere in there, and uh, it's it's as I said, I'm glad she brought this man and his racism to the forefront, regardless regardless of what her um, aspirations or reasons were for it. I'm glad that it has come out, and I'm glad that the NBA has done something so swiftly about it and that we hopefully have learned as a society a lesson from this, and we, we see that this is no longer tolerable. It's just not tolerable and in our world today. And the, the era of the, uh, this man, uh, the 80-year-old mentality, is over. It's over. In America, at least, and uh, but it, it, it's, it's not going to be tolerated. It may be there, but it's not going to be allowed to to be sitting in our basketball courts and sitting in our football fields. I think that's pretty obvious. But you know, uh, the woman herself, she's um, I, I, what what can I say? I mean, she's she's um. What has she done with her life exactly that would entitle her to think that she's 
going to have some position of power and 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 be, you know, uh, uh, I mean, really and truly, other than outing this man for his racism, what has she done? She's most of the pictures that I've seen of her are pictures of her at these games of the Clippers, or it, with Clippers uh, uh, signs behind her. So wh- who? Wh- it, I, I, I don't know. I, I really I can't quite understand where she's coming from in terms of who she thinks she is. But I know that she's going to make as much as she can out of this now, certainly. And that's why she's covering her face and why she's not addressing the media, because she wants to make sure that when she shows her face and addresses the media, she gets highly paid for it. Uh, yeah, that's all yeah. I can think. That visor that she carries around is very odd, to say the least. That thing over her head. Yeah, the visor. If she more noticeable than just walking out plainly than carrying that ridiculous thing over her head, that gets I mean, even more attention. Well, I, I think, you know, I mean, in the case of someone like Michael Jackson, and I was making a joke, but... You know, with Michael, he had so many people really looking at him, and he knew paparazzi were around him all the time. So he had reasons, for, many different reasons, to cover his face um, and his kids' faces. This woman, yes, there's paparazzi there, but hello, no one knows what she even barely looks like. We've only seen her once or twice. The only reason she would be covering her face is because she wants to make money off of that face when she uncovers it. That's my guess. I, no, what do you no think? Question. Am I wrong? I, I don't know. I, well, what other reason would there be? She's loving the spotlight. She loves the spotlight. If you listen to the tape, she was she was getting out, which was scripted, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, she she did what she wanted to do. She probably said to him, you know, give me X, Y, and Z, and I won't. Uh, hand these tapes in. I guess that would be money would be part of the money uh, motivation, clearly. And uh, what about the wife, though? I mean, in one breath she says, you know, we don't stand for what uh, Mr. Sterling says, uh, and then on the other side she's saying something else. So we can't figure her out. But well, you said uh, you uh, 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 go ahead. Yeah, you, you, you said you wanted to tie this into what MJ, Michael Jackson, had to go through. Maybe well, you want to elaborate on I want to say on? that with Michael Jackson, yes. I, I do want to tie it in, and I want to say this. You know, back in July of uh, 2002, which is, seems like an, an incredible long time ago, but isn't really all that long, yeah. long ago. It's 12 years ago. Michael was feuding with Sony, and as many people know, um, anybody who follows Jackson knows that that, that he um, called Tommy Mottola a racist at that time. Right. Tommy Mottola was devilish. But he also, at that time, he was speaking at uh, Al Sharpton's um, National Action Network in New York, and he said... And I'm quoting Michael. The recording companies really, really do conspire against the artists. They steal, they cheat, they do everything they can, and especially against the black artists. And that's an end quote of Michael's back in 2002. And this, this, what's interesting 
is that when Jackson mentioned that there were several black artists that were victims of the industry, and he he named them, you know, he said it was James Brown, Mariah Carey, Sammy Davis Jr., who he says died penniless, even though supposedly uh, Sammy Davis left an estate worth more than $6 million. He's saying, and he says for this, Michael says back in 2002, if you fight for me, you're fighting for all black people dead and alive. We have to put a stop to this incredible injustice. So, you know, it's interesting because we do now know, 12 years later, that the music business, um, you know, certainly does have a hold on the the artists. Certainly does. uh, We see with Prince and how he had to, you know, figure out how to take back his name and all the rest of it and become the artist formerly known as Prince and the rest of all the machinations that went around him. Um, that that there there is certainly a, a, a squelch on music artists by the big companies, okay, and um, they're taken advantage of. Unlike movie stars who rake in you know twenty million dollars a movie, okay, and have the control, music artists have been uh, you know have to had to fight, and perhaps. Jackson was right when he said that it was the, in particular, black musical artists who were being taken advantage of. And yet, you notice nobody ever said anything or reacted to that in any way, shape, or form in 2002. Now, roll the tape forward to today, 2014, just 12 years later, and we have proof that someone is a racist, and the, and the action was immediate. Immediate. Bye-bye. Right. You know. Right. And so I think to that to that extent, the reason I wanted to even bring Michael up is that, you know, everybody thought Michael was crazy when he called Tommy Mottola a racist and when he talked about the music industry uh, being less than fair to black artists. At least everybody in the establishment thought Michael was crazy. Um, maybe Michael wasn't so crazy. In fact, he probably knew a hell of a lot more than any of us know because he was in it and he lived it and he he had to deal with that and yet always came out at the end as being a peacemaker somebody who wanted to bring all races together um the 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 thing is i think we have now seen with the banishment of this racist monster um in la the the wishes of Michael that people will fight for the rights of people of color happen. We have now seen this happen as of yesterday. And it's pretty swift when you think just 12 years, 12 years. No, no question. And at the time, you're right, nobody was really uh, giving too much credence. Uh, he did have an ax to grind with Tommy Mottola in particular, I did hear that he didn't hate everybody in Sony, mostly Tommy Mottola. Uh, even Mariah Carey didn't like Tommy Mottola. I think they were a couple of married or something briefly. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure about that. But uh, he did make up with them, and uh, that's why I think that's the new album is coming out uh, like in two weeks or so, ten days. Yeah, and the first song like, is being released tonight. Actually, I think there's a music award ceremony. They're they're 
going to have one yeah, of Michael's songs on tonight. The iHeart uh, radio, radio or something. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah, Love Never Felt So Good is that song. And uh, how do you feel about them coming out? You know, uh, Will I Am uh, didn't like it. He was uh, one of the guys that worked with Michael uh, because Michael was such a perfectionist, as we as we saw in This Is It. Uh, how do you feel about this pop, uh, this uh, album coming out with Michael I Jackson? Think I think it's fantastic music. that it's coming out. I think it's, yeah, it's I awesome. I mean, to have music that he left and his legacy that will be new to us now, um, five years, almost five years after his death, is tremendous. I mean, the, the, I think there'll be more because I know he left quite a bit of music that, that's never been published. Um, I don't know what all has been done with the collaborative efforts to, you know, take his music and make it new or make it fuller. I'm not sure. I haven't heard any of it yet, but uh, I'm I'm looking. I'm I'm hopeful that it's going to be great, and I think it's fantastic that we have it to uh, to listen to. I'm just hopeful. I hope it's not ruined by. When you say "Will I Am" or whoever else, by you know different people playing and meddling in the pot, you know sometimes too many cooks in the kitchen can spoil the the uh, right. the product. And I don't know. I mean, I, I would have preferred it to be pure Michael, frankly, but he understood yeah. that he needed to update his sound, perhaps even you know, and, which is why he got people like Will I Am involved and. So he wasn't wrong, but then he hasn't. He's not here to steer the the train to its full stop, you know. So I don't know what we're going to hear. We'll have to wait and see. But I, I'm I'm hoping that it's going to be something I love. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was that song, "A Horse with No Name," and he changed it to "A Place with No Name." Uh, that's on the new uh, soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So I, I very uh, very interesting. It, it seems to I I read the tracking list. It seems to be a mix of all the way back from the Thriller sessions to the last sessions uh, that he made. And the deluxe copy has because I I don't know if you remember last time they thought a lot of people felt some of the tracks weren't even Michael. They even put out the original demos. Um, with Michael working on the track, something like that, on the deluxe edition. So there's proof that this was Michael's, you know, legacy. And they picked out the best eight, and uh, they they have those songs. They have uh, the demo edition, and they have some with Justin Timberlake singing on a few, with Mary J singing with him. You know, the technology that they could do now is amazing. So it sounds like they're actually in the studio together, right. uh, Justin. And, you know, I think Beyonce, but I'm not sure. They had uh, Justin uh, Bieber, uh, but I think since his legal uh, stuff, they took him off. He, he's not on the uh, track listings at all. Uh, but uh, you're right. I, I think it's good that this album's coming out for the new generation. It keeps Michael on the headlines in a positive way not in a scandalous way. Right, and, which is uh, the way he should be, which is the way he should be talked about, frankly. 
Absolutely, no question. Um, I wanted to hear uh, this clip about Donald Sterling's wife, and then I wanted to get your take on the other side. Okay. Explosive recordings of a racist rant could be the downfall of NBA owner and one of the richest men in L.A., Donald Sterling. And tonight, we have exclusive video allegedly of his wife, as claims surfaced that she, too, may have made racist comments in the past. Here's ABC's Ryan Smith. Are you a racist, Mr. Sterling? No, of course not. She has been one of his only defenders. Are you a racist? Forget it. It's not true. Not true? No, of course not. Shelly Sterling, wife of billionaire Donald Sterling, whose rants caught on tape shocked America. Yeah, it bothers me a lot that you want to broadcast that you're associating with black people. And may have cost him the thing he loved the most. I am banning Mr. Sterling for life. But today, court documents reveal that Mr. Sterling isn't the only accused racist in the family. This from one of their tenants. Quote, I asked her, would you reduce the rent? And she said, quote, who do you think you are, you black? In court motions for a lawsuit, tenants and employees described Mrs. Sterling as making offensive comments as she entered their apartments. Mrs. Sterling denies the allegation. A property manager said Mrs. Sterling commented that, quote, Hispanic tenants were filthy. In sworn testimony, it was said that Sterling would say that black people stunk and attracted vermin, that Mexicans just sat around and drank all day. It was old school, visceral, like 19th century sort of racism. It was things that just jumped off the page when you looked at him and said, oh my goodness. Did you take a picture of this, And one of those tenants backed that up with what he says is video proof. Senior Ms. Shelby from the health department? Yes, sir. Okay. Meet Mrs. Sterling, in video exclusively obtained by ABC News, allegedly posing as a health inspector to gain illegal access to apartments. They tried to do everything to get their African-American and Latino tenants out of the building. It all came out on a day when the Clippers were trying to put it all behind them. Out from under the shadow of their controversial owner, the L.A. Clippers, suddenly the hottest property in pro sports. A glamorous list of big names buzzed about as their next owner. Oprah Winfrey today saying she's, quote, in discussions with music mogul David Geffen and software billionaire Larry Ellison to make a joint bid for the Clippers. Oprah! Just yesterday, she said she wasn't interested. Any chance you'd buy the Clippers? No, I won't be buying the Clippers, but I hear Magic Johnson might be. Did you hear that? Magic Johnson denies he wants the team. Floyd! But yesterday, championship boxer Floyd Mayweather Jr. said he does. Do we want to buy the Clippers? Yes, we do. We're very, very interested in buying the Clippers. One potential owner, Mrs. Sterling herself. Just yesterday, the NBA commissioner was supportive. This ruling applies specifically to Donald Sterling and Donald Sterling's conduct only. Doc Rivers was also supportive. She didn't do anything wrong either. And um, you, you, you have compassion for her. Now, Doc Rivers says he feels bad for her. No, no, no. They appear to be cut from the same cloth on this issue. You say you're Ms. Shelby from the health department? Yes, sir. But today's new revelations may change all that. Once people get a broader idea of how involved she was in Sterling's activities, I see no way possible that she could own the Clippers. Among those alleged activities, court documents reveal this from Summer Davenport, a former Sterling employee. Quote, the purpose of announcing that Mrs. Sterling was an agent of a government agency was to gain entry into the tenants' units 
to determine which tenants she would like to evict. But before any sale, 75% of NBA team owners must vote to force disgraced Clippers boss Donald Sterling to sell. Earlier this week, Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban raised concerns. If we're taking something somebody said in their homes and we're trying to turn it into something that um, leads to you being forced to, to divest a property in any way, shape, or form, that's not the United States of America. But yesterday, Cuban tweeted his support of the NBA's decision to ban Sterling. Today, ABC News called all 29 team owners to ask how they would vote. They all told us the NBA asked them to stay silent. Only one of them, Vivek Ranadive of the Sacramento Kings, said he would vote to oust Sterling. These teams really belong to the fans and to the players. We owners are simply custodians. Uh, and so I fully expect that Commissioner Silver will get the support that he seeks. Today, LeBron James, basketball's biggest star, turned up the pressure on the owners. No matter how long it takes, no matter how much money it costs, um, we need to get him out of there. You know, whoever's associated with him, he doesn't belong in our league. The NBA hasn't yet announced when the big vote will happen. So how do you think the owners will vote? Will they vote to kick Donald Sterling out of the league? No question about it. He's gone. It's a done deal. So we're all anticipating that it'll be, believe it or not, unanimous. Now, all they need is three quarters of them to vote in favor of boosting him out. But from what we're hearing, we expect 29 to nothing. Sterling himself has been in seclusion. And B. Stiviano, the woman also heard on that tape, last night had some bizarre comments of her own. One day I will become president of the United States of America. And at another point, she roller skates away from reporters. I'm Ryan Smith for Nightline in Los Angeles. Okay, Aphrodite, are you ready to make a bid for the Los Angeles Clippers? I'll tell you what, I wish I wish uh, Oprah good luck with it. Um, she, If anybody can do, get that done between her and those two other powerful forces, uh, the three of them should be able to, to take on that project. Um, but What's first and foremost, I'm sorry. Of the wife. Of well, that's what I want to say. First, first and foremost about uh, Shelley Sterling is it was interesting to me to hear LeBron James say, Anybody associated with Donald Sterling right. should, should be out of there, meaning his wife, as far as I'm concerned. That would be what he's meaning by saying anybody associated with him. Um, because if anybody is associated with him, it's her. Fifty years of marriage, and you're telling me that she has no idea that this man is a bold, bold racist, not just, you know, a, a little sort of bit like of a racist. Sort of like yeah. Sandusky's wife. Well, I think in the Sandusky case that she that, that woman was in denial. But I don't believe in this case that this woman is in any kind of denial. When you hear what happened in court today and the fact that people are out there testifying that she posed as an agent so that she could come into their housing projects and go into the homes of certain Latinos and African Americans to decide who she wants to throw out of her housing and that she was, you know, quoted as having used terminology directly to the faces of people who were either African-American or Latino, calling them, you know, foul things and, and, and you know, stuff that goes back to the 1950s and before. I mean, come on. We've, we've moved 50 years, 60 years past this. New generations don't even understand the kind of racism that these people are, are, are 
the the cloth they are cut from, okay? I think, you know, when I look at my nephews, the kids around me today, they don't even have a comprehension of that kind of racism, which is great. That means we've moved forward as a country. Thank God we've been fighting for this since the days of Martin Luther King and before. Let's not, you know, let's keep that ball rolling, and I think we are. Um, And to that extent, this woman, Shelley Sterling, is going to be outed also. And she's going to be outed. It's already begun today. And we are going to find that if she's married for 50 years, 5-0 years, to someone who is that much of a racist, and that she has made public remarks about Hispanics and African Americans that harken back to to foregone eras, okay, long times ago, that that, that that's who she is. She is cut right. from the same cloth as Donald Sterling, and and I think it's going to be determined that she is as much of a racist as he is, and that she has no business owning a team or inheriting that team from his estate or any business being at those games either. And I think that's going to be the next order of business if she takes that move to try to block a, you know, a forced sale or say that, you know, her family or her son-in-law or whomever it is should be the rightful owner. Now, I don't know in America whether or not you can force people to actually sell their own property. I understand that this, all the other owners can, can, they can, they can vote, but when they vote, does the vote mean that you can force someone to sell what is in essence an asset? I don't know what the, the, the law of the land is. And I think that's what Mark Cuban was originally talking about before we knew how clear cut it was that this man is a racist. Um, and that he just doesn't belong sitting, you know, in in that kind of an arena, literally. Um, but he does have a right to fight this, and I will say that this man Sterling is um, seems unfazed by all of this. Right. And, and by the by that I mean, right. you know, we saw today's news where he was found sitting in the grill in Beverly Hills, the most uh, prestigious. Uh, dining place for all of the stars and superstars where the paparazzi (laughs) hangs out and where everybody's within earshot and where everybody can hear what everybody's saying literally at tables crammed close to each other and he's there having dinner last night. So what does that tell you? (laughs) Sorry? He's not missing a beat. He's not From missing a left. beat, and he has absolutely no shame, no no compunction whatsoever about his remarks, about these recordings, about the being banned, about any of it. He is living in an era now that really is a bubble that I think pertains to people of his age bracket, I'm afraid. Um, and I don't mean to to be ageist. I don't want to be overly politically correct here. Certainly, about not about somebody like him. But I don't want to also put all people of a certain age into his category. But people like him seem to be of that generation. You know, the the 
the people who were raised a certain way to think that, you know, we are separate and not equal. And that was a mentality uh, 50 years ago. It's no longer a mentality today. Thank goodness. And uh, yes, does racism still exist? Of course it does um, on a lot of different levels. And do we still see ourselves as separate cultures and separate peoples and have our own our own traditions and, and ways of life and all those things? Yes, but I think ultimately we do understand that there is no such thing as somebody being better than someone else and that we, we finally have come to that place, which is the most important thing and the one thing that Martin Luther King did want, what got realized in his dream. So everything that goes along with Don Sterling, including his wife, Shelley, back to your question, equals right. everything that stands against all of our progress that we've made in 50-plus years. Even in 10-plus right. years, as I pointed out with Michael Jackson and his remarks about Sony and Tommy Mottola. So, you know, now's the time to cut, cut bait and let that fish go. Let it go and let it swim to its own end. Bye-bye. Yeah, a famous baseball player uh, actually met Kemp of the L.A. Dodgers uh, his new intro every year, you know, the baseball players, when they, they are introduced to the crowd in Dodger Stadium, he's coming out now to Michael Jackson's It Doesn't Matter If You're Black or White song on the heels of this. So, uh, Michael yeah, Jackson. Yeah, thank goodness. I mean, and I said it before about other players, you know, saying that this, this man, Sterling, they, they had heard racism, that he was a racist. I remember now who it was. It was Meta World Peace who was on an interview yesterday, saying he was aware of the rumors. So if he was aware of the rumors, maybe Magic Johnson wasn't aware. I don't know. I'd find it hard to believe that he wouldn't have been aware. But perhaps he wasn't, because there he was with the, the mistress, or whatever she calls herself. Um, right. You know, so maybe, maybe, he, maybe Magic Johnson, per se, was not aware until the scandal broke. But it was... And something that was bantered around in that world, if somebody like MetaWorld Peace had heard it, and we know that there were these lawsuits. So, again, I think the time for turning a blind eye to uh, blatant racism, to people who are backwards and are turning the clock back in our pursuit of equality in America and the American dream, I think the days of looking looking away from that and turning a blind eye to that are ending right here with Donald Sterling. I hope so. Yeah, the commissioner uh, did what he had to do. Okay, another topic I wanted your uh, comments on. Uh, Brian Singer is being accused of uh, having inappropriate sex with a teenager. Let me let you hear the backstory. And I want to get your uh, opinion. Man of suing X-Men director Brian Singer for sexual abuse is now making similar allegations against three other entertainment executives. KKLA 5's Casey Montoya is live in Beverly Hills with more on the alleged sex ring. Casey? 
Well, sir, those allegations filed against three more Hollywood bigwigs and former aspiring actor Michael Egan. He says those men abused him in California and in Hawaii back in the 90s. And his attorney says Hawaii is a state where victims of sexual assault can sue even if the statute of limitations has expired. Going through and seeing yourself be attacked, be, be, be threatened again, and so forth, you exactly see why victims don't come forward of this. 31-year-old Michael Egan speaking at a news conference in Beverly Hills Monday afternoon, accusing three more Hollywood executives of sexual abuse. His attorney, Jeff Herman, says these allegations show proof of a Hollywood sex ring. Where underage boys were brought, including Mike, and that at these parties, um, they were given drugs, they were given alcohol, uh, sometimes they were threatened, sometimes they were given gifts and promised roles in movies. The three men named in the new lawsuits are Garth Ansier, David Newman, and Gary Goddard. Ansier headed the Fox Entertainment Group, producing the shows 21 Jump Street, Married with Children, and The Simpsons. He also put NBC drama The West Wing on television. Newman is currently listed as president of BlackRock Productions. The former president of Disney TV also served as chief programming officer at CNN for two years. Goddard has an entertainment design firm in North Hollywood and is credited with creating some of the world's biggest theme park attractions, including Jurassic Park. The men are each accused of supplying Egan with drugs and alcohol, coercing him into having sex from the time he was 15 to 17 years old. Egan's mom says once she learned about the alleged abuse, she wrote to every news organization and talk show for years trying to get someone to listen. Nobody wanted to do anything because of the high-profile people involved. She says she learned about the abuse when her son was 17, and other victims urged him to come forward. And we have to do this to protect our children. There's talk. He, Mike is here for his 15 minutes of fame. You called it fame. Fame. What part of this? Fame. Last week, Egan sued X-Men director Brian Singer, accusing him of similar claims of sexual abuse. Goddard's attorney released this statement this afternoon. Gary Goddard is out of the country, and we have not seen the complaint. Based on what we have heard, the allegations are without merit. Once we have seen the complaint, we will respond appropriately. Now, the other two men have yet to respond to our request for comment. Egan's attorney says in this case, there's no photographic or DNA evidence. He's going to rely on documents and witness statements to corroborate the claims against these men. Glenn? All right, Casey Montoya, live in Beverly Hills. We thank you for that. An American won the bar. Okay, Aphrodite, this guy is having his big movie coming out in uh, May. A lot of people think this is a shakedown. He was 17. At the time of these alleged acts, what is your opinion? I think that it, it is a shakedown, but I also think that there's probably some truth in this matter. Um, I, I was a part of the Hollywood community for many years, and I can tell you that, right. you know, the rumors and innuendos that swirl around the Brian Singers of the world... Um, are very, very much, uh, how do I put it, perhaps warranted. Um, <laughs> there's no doubt that 
there's a, an affinity for people who are gay movers and shakers in the business to want to have uh, fun, if you will, with uh, young boys, um, whether it's partying, giving them drugs. Uh, when it comes to sexuality and inappropriate behavior, um, there's there's no doubt in my mind that that goes on. Um, but whether or not you can prove that it was any one of these moguls or whether or not it was anyone forced into something who was underage and why they would come forward now so many years later, um, it, that's that's a little bit of a, a difficult thing to eat, one, prove, and two, understand, uh, especially when the statute of limitations might not run up in Hawaii, but it's run up here in, in the United in, in on the mainland in California. So I I, I don't know. Um, like I say, I, I know I know about those rumors. I know about the behavior um, through friends who are gay that you know that talk about these things that say to me, you know, that, that this stuff goes on that that you can see clearly. There's a <sighs> There's a lust for youth in in Los Angeles and in Hollywood that doesn't end just at having young people on screen. It starts with having young people in their lives. And if that entails uh, illegal sex or illicit sex or whatever you want to call it, that's something that has to be proven in a court of law. To to my eyes, I don't see where that proof exists, and I don't know how anybody now, all these years later, can think that, uh, they're going to get anywhere because, frankly, uh, it's it's too little, too late, in my opinion, yeah. to try to. Uh, all that's happening is a besmirching of these moguls, and at the end of the day, these moguls are still going to continue to make their money and do what they're going to do. Now, it could, if it is a true, if there's any truth in it, and I don't know that there is. I say that there's a lot of innuendo. Doesn't mean that it actually happened. If there's any truth in it and there are other victims that are current of the same age, maybe that will encourage them to come forward. That's a different story. But in terms of what this person's trying to do now with his mother and going on the media and saying, oh, we tried for years and no one would listen, um, I don't know. It's it's fishy to me, and um, I don't think they're going to get anywhere with it other than to have, uh, like I say, perhaps other young people come forward if there's any truth to this at all, and I, I still, I, I find it to be, how do I put this? Um, uh, just, just a day late and a dollar short. You know, I mean, why, why, if yeah. he was so traumatized as a young boy, did he wait all these years? I mean, this is a lot of years to wait. It, it's, it's shades Four of um, some other people I know that that have come. You know, like Wade Robeson, shades of that. As far as I'm concerned, that, yeah. yeah. You know, we uh, had uh, the bodyguard on of Michael Jackson, and he was talking about that Wade uh, invited Michael and the children in '08 to a barbecue. I don't know. I find the Wade Robeson claims very shaky. I don't know. That's just me. Uh, yeah. And especially uh, with Mesro pointing out clearly that he was the strongest witness. Uh, he was the first witness, and the guy from Russia was the last witness. He wanted to start out uh, strong, and he wanted to end up 
I don't know. It seems very uh, shaky. But it all has to be proven. It's very easy to make an accusation like that. It's very hard to prove it. Well, and that's the other thing, of course, is, you know, that I think sometimes people want to just make accusations in order to create problems for people's public image. In the case of this woman, I think that with going back to Don Sterling, the reason she did yes. illicit tape recordings or legal tape recordings is that she want, she needed to have proof to back up what she was saying. And and that was, you know, or she leaked the tape so that it could then show proof that this is what she knows. And uh, in, in our day and age, um, certainly there's not going to be um, anyone who's going to believe just an, a, a blank accusation without witnesses and without recordings and without video anymore because we're so used to everything being recorded. We've got Big Brother on us all the time these days, it seems. So, I, you know, yeah. I, I think, uh, I think, frankly, with this Don Sterling uh, drama happening, the uh, yes. the Brian Singer issue is is kind of taking a real back seat, and I don't think too many people are as concerned about it, perhaps as uh, at all, if at all, anymore. It's just no, this too has old. been a big story since. Uh... I'm trying to think. This is bigger than the, the biggest Sandusky, maybe. This, yeah, this, oh, uh, definitely. Story. Definitely. I'm not saying the victims might have been hurt more, but the actual story, quote unquote, is as huge as Sandusky was, and we know how huge that was at that yep. time. But oh, before definitely. I let you go, I wanted to ask you about a talented artist, a fellow by the name of Chris Brown. And I say now it is the rise and fall of Chris Brown hitting Rihanna in '09, not cooperating with uh, uh, what the judge asked him to do. Uh, he basically had a get-out-of-jail-free card. He didn't uh, live up to it, and now he is in jail for seven weeks. He looks like a, he looks like a jail of himself. What's your opinion of Chris Brown and Justin Bieber and people like that who think they're invincible to the uh, law. Well, you know, it's 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 telling that he looks like a shell of himself now, um, that he is serving some time behind bars. And I believe that, unfortunately, what happens with these superstars, these idols, these, these people who become, uh, you know, drenched with fame and surround themselves with yes-men and bodyguards and people who are um, basically at their disposal, that they do have not only a sense of entitlement, but beyond that, a sense of that they are above the law, that they can buy their way out of any trouble that they may cause. And Chris Brown is a perfect example of it because he was given pass after pass, as you say, and even Rihanna took him back and and who knows what yep. he'll do, you know, when he gets out. You know, I mean, love is a strange thing. But um, at the end of the day, this guy has some kind of problem. He's clearly an abusive guy who has issues with anger, whatever they may be. I don't know why. I mean, he's successful. You don't get any more successful than that. Um, 
he's got fame, he's got money, he's got glory, he had the most beautiful woman in the world, one of them, and yet he's still angry. So I, I'm not sure what his problem is, but whatever it is, um, clearly he has now come to find out he's not above the law. He can't, he couldn't continue to buy his way out of the clink, and he's got a, he's doing doing the crime and he's serving the time and hopefully he will get some help for himself or somebody will force him into a situation where he gets true anger management or gets off whatever it is that's influencing him to to behave in ways that are you know unacceptable and 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 not only unacceptable but violent and and harmful and 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 frankly despicable so i i I think Chris Brown is where he he needs to be. He's where he belongs, and he should have been there a long time ago. And I also think Rihanna was should never have taken him back. Even though I understand the heart is a funny place, and we all have our own strange logic that comes along when when our heart is involved. But in her case, why she, one of the most beautiful women on earth, would be with somebody who's, in my opinion, um, you know, one step away from a thug, if you will. Um, especially anyone who hits women to me is worse than a thug. Um, Why she would, why she would do that uh, is beyond me. I mean, but again, no, no accounting for why love, how love, love strikes someone, but hopefully with this newest um, update and with him actually behind bars, maybe she'll see him in a different light and uh, move on to, to, to a place where, you know, she won't. She won't have that kind of. You know, I, I would hate to see with with Rihanna what happened to Whitney Houston, which is to hang around somebody who really just mm. took her down. You know, um, that's, that's yep. something that you know you, you never you never want to see anybody maintain a relationship with someone who's an abuser. And uh, you know, I'm just hoping really that she understands and gets away from it. But but you know. And and the fact that he's in jail and the fact that he's doing time, I think will help her, and also show everybody else that nobody's above the law. I don't care who you are. Um, yes, we have examples of O.J. Simpson and 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 some others, and certainly there are powerful people who have been able to evade the law over the years. But as you can see, and bringing it back to our original topic tonight, um, Mr. Donald Sterling, who is a billionaire is not above the law of public opinion. And at the end of the day, karma is a bitch, and what goes around will come around. And people who do wrong get bitten by their own um, actions. And, and we see that time and again. And I, I, think, I think that's, I guess, the biggest message that we should all take away from this tonight. Well, absolutely, no question. Uh, any update on you? And your next venture. <laughs> um, my a show that I did on O. J. Simpson in my season one of um True Crime on ID is going to be airing on around the anniversary time. I think it's uh, June seventeenth. Um wow. it's only gonna have one air date. It's only gonna air at one time at five PM. It's not in prime time unfortunately, and it's a great show because it has footage of O. J. that yes. no one's ever seen before. So um, if you can remind your viewers when it gets closer to that time that that's going to be 
viewers, your listeners rather, that that's going to be airing. Um, I really am proud of that particular episode because I got footage of OJ that no one has ever seen in the world. And uh, it's quite interesting what uh, manipulator he was and seeing him and in the backdrop. Father, the father with you, he was so emotional. To see that was just, you can't help but just cry to him. Oh, yes, uh, Ron him. Goldman's father. But also to hear from uh, O.J.'s manager, Michael Gilbert, and hear the inside of how they they really orchestrated things. Um, it's an interesting show. Maybe we can even do a, a radio uh, piece at that time. I'll be, I will be shooting season five and by that time. I'll be on the road, but maybe we can figure out a way to do a quick interview during that time because... It will be the 20th anniversary of O.J.'s acquittal and uh, of that crime. And uh, do you remember where to... you were when it actually was uh, when O.J. was being changed? Yeah, who doesn't, right? Yeah. It's almost like uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's like a time warp for everyone in the world, right? Yeah. I was I was a youngster at the Nick game. It, you know, that time nobody had Twitter, nobody had Facebook. You know, people were wondering why, you know, they heard it on the payphone and, you know, someone, you know, it was on half the screen, you know, and he's running away and, you know, it was very surreal. Yeah. I was 12 it, at the time. You were but, 12 at the yeah. time. Well, I was having a little cocktail party at the time and I had no TV on at all, so I didn't get to see it live. And I was probably one of the few people in the world who didn't see it live and had to wake up to it the next day. And being in the crime world, that's kind of strange, but sometimes that's just the way it happens, you know. But I I do hope that we'll talk about it because, you know, I did meet O.J. when he was being tried in Las Vegas, and he's uh, a very interesting character. We can, uh, can, yeah, the second trial. Yeah, we can talk about that when it gets closer to the anniversary date. So that will be on the actual anniversary date? Or, no, it's or been, they're, airing it on, they're airing it June 17th. I'm not sure what the anniversary date is, per se. seems like there's a couple different anniversary dates, but I think this is definitely after the fact. But it could it, Why they picked that date, I don't know, but I just got that from the network. So um, yeah, let's plan to talk in that week stuff. anyway. That is a wonderful episode that you did. Was that the first year you did with I Date? Was that your first yeah, year? Yeah, that was, yeah, five seasons ago now. So you are up to season five now, right? This is yeah. Going into. Just, yes, going into it. Any ideas what you're going to, uh, any, any hints of uh, what's coming? I am uh, looking, we're looking at a lot of cases right now. What I'd love to hear from your audience, if anybody can write to you and if you could pass them forward to me, is just what what is? are there any big cases that anybody's interested in anymore? Because I feel like people are burned out on Jody Arias and Oscar Pistorius. And, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I, I want to be sure that they are and they don't feel that there's an angle that I should take. I in know that at. Yeah, Trayvon Martin uh they wrote to me, a lot of people did, and, uh, you know, where can they write? So maybe if you could provide that email address, if they... Uh, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what's happened with Trayvon Martin. Um, the more I have pressed the button on doing Trayvon Martin, the more I get resistance because of Zimmerman um, having uh-huh. been acquitted. And so um, I'm not sure how and what I have to do, you know, with the legal teams that are behind these networks 
in order to try to make that happen. But it it is something that oh, I'm going to fight for. I am I am I'm still I'm still uh, the problem too. There is that when things become so highly racially charged, as is that case, and there was no justice in it. It's hard to do a story on it and just leave it open-ended as a question as to whether or not will there ever be justice? Well, no, I guess not. You know, it's a horrible way to tell a story. And so there's that as well. So I don't know. I just haven't quite figured it out yet. You know? Oh, absolutely. Just, yeah. and, you're, I, and the Oscar uh, thing is on, you know, they take all these breaks. It's so different that it's the way they do things there in uh, yeah. South Africa. Well, and I just don't know if people are all that interested in Oscar Pistorius in this country. I think they are, but yet I'm not sure. You think they're going to get him? I do. She's going to get I hope so. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming, those evidence. Yeah. And, of course, Africa, you have that wonderful book, in case anybody's holding under a rock, The Michael Jackson uh, <laughs> Conspiracy. Right. It's still available, right? Yeah. It's available, and I'm going to be releasing it in Russia this summer. So um, my show airs oh. around the world, and it's now airing in Russia. So I'm going to do a Russian release of that. And uh, it's actually been How released in Germany, and it's doing very well. So that's what's happening there. And uh also be re-releasing Cruel Sacrifice, the 20th anniversary of that book, which is a teenage crime uh, cult classic that came out in 1994, and they have asked me to re-release that with an update. So that's going to happen this summer as well. Um, and it's also and that, the anniversary of Kurt Cobain passing away 20 yes, years ago. Yes, yes, that, yes. That's a story that's I'd like to do one day. But unfortunately, again, there's nobody to his, charge. <laughs> right, right. Were you mm-hmm. a fan of his I was a fan of his, but I'm. I'm uh, let's put it this way: I'm, I'm le- less a fan of Courtney Love. You're right. You know? Right. Right. <laughs> Ian Halpern said some words to the effect that she was involved and blah blah blah. Well, that's I what I'm hinting at a little bit. I wish I had. Some, I wish there was some something more definitive there, but there really isn't. Anyway, I have got to go, King Jordan. This Thank you, for me. We look forward to having you back on. Okay. And, uh, okay, so we look forward to having you back on, and uh, thanks a million for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Okay, okay that was the great Aphrodite Jones, uh, season five coming up uh, very soon. Let me leave you with ESPN's first pick as they discuss the Clipper situation. Thanks, everybody. We'll speak to you next time. Donald Sterling uh, by our Adam Silver. Don- Donald Sterling banned a two and a half million dollar fine and the Clippers forcing him to sell the Clippers. Uh, Stephen A., he did everything he could under his power. The question is uh, your reaction to what he did. Well, I was very happy with the decision that Adam Silver came down with because walking in uh, to, the, to the situation, my attitude was very, very simple. Anything that left any wiggle room whatsoever as, as it pertained to Adam Silver utilizing his power to its fullest extent, if he did not elect to do so, there would have been an uproar. 
I knew that the players were, were very, very serious when they were talking about boycotting because I had spoken to several players. Um, and then ultimately the news came out that it wasn't just about the Clippers. It was about everybody that was playing in the playoffs willing to stand by the Clippers and support them and make their own protests. Clearly the players were not playing. They wanted these guys. They wanted Donald Sterling gone. They wanted a lifetime ban. They wanted the maximum fine. They wanted more than anything else. Even if it, if it were a subliminal message or beyond, they wanted to make sure that they were able to look at the commissioner and the commissioner was able to look at them and emphatically state that I have done all I can within my powers to rid this man of any kind of association with the NBA. And Adam Silver imposing the lifetime ban, uh, just, uh, just stripping him uh, of, of, of any potency whatsoever, as a league owner, couldn't go to the practice facilities, can't come to NBA arenas, etc. Um, that's what you wanted to do because now it's up to the owners. If I am disappointed in anything, it's only one thing, and that is the fact that I am still waiting for a date. And I was hoping that Adam Silver gave that date as to when the owners would put forth an official vote to get rid of Donald Sterling altogether. It's going to require three quarters of them to vote in favor of his dismissal as an NBA owner. My attitude is, how hard can it be? You got 29 owners. We've heard reports that uh, the vote would be 29 to nothing in favor of what Adam Silver recommended. Uh, we've seen owners like Mark Cuban and Mickey Arison and others uh, that came out on Twitter and beyond expressing their support for Adam Silver. And chances are most owners in this league would not hesitate to side with the commissioner. So if that is the issue, if that is the case, how come we don't have a date where the owners are going to vote for Donald Sterling to be gone? Because in the end, as much as I applaud Adam Silver for what he did, and he deserves to be applauded for what he did, the owners have to close the deal. This is still unfinished business. And the players that I've spoken to, and the people that I've spoken to associated with the NBA Players Association said they'd give it about a week. And if they don't see something coming down the line, uh, they're going to stand up and they're going to raise holy hell because this is unfinished business. The deed is not complete until Donald Sterling is officially stripped of his ability to own the Los Angeles Clippers. It has to be done. But what Adam Silver could have done, it appears he has done. And I'm happy about that as I know the players are, as I believe everybody in black America should be in America throughout. I agree with you. Unfinished business. And I think it's your responsibility, my responsibility, everyone in the media's responsibility to watchdog this going forward because the NBA bylaws do have a time frame for this to happen and we don't need to get into the nuances of this, but you know, they have three days to send Donald Sterling a detailed letter, and then he has five days to respond. So it's just we need to monitor the progress of this up to a vote, and then who knows? I, I don't even know how to discuss this because I think we're getting into uncharted territory. What a leg does Donald Sterling have to stand on in real court, not in the NBA court, because I don't think he has a leg to stand on in the NBA court, but in real court. how? How strongly could he fight this and successfully, how long could he fight this, I don't know. But that's what we need to monitor. Now, back to Kerry's original question of reaction. 
Let me just give you my two cents here from a distance. I thought the best thing that Adam Silver did yesterday was to let his personal outrage fuel his delivery. And I know he's, he's new at all this, but I thought he levied the equivalent of the ownership death penalty, if you will. I was saying yesterday it's like off with his head figuratively, and that's what he basically levied. And he did so, I thought, quickly, concisely, very strongly, with no beating around the bush, no ifs, ands, buts, no evasive legal jargon. He got right to the point, and it was totally clear through the emotion of his delivery that he was dropping the hammer that the players and the ex-players and many civic leaders wanted to, to hear and see that he was going to drop, or they were about ready to drop one on him. So, and, and the owners, obviously. But Stephen A., this is me again from a distance. I was amazed at how much Twitter credit Adam Silver immediately received from everyone across the board. He received, via social media, a standing ovation, and it, it surprised me, because I'm not sure he deserved a standing ovation. I'm going to remind everyone, he was not acting alone to save the NBA. He's an employee of 29 other owners, other than Donald Sterling, who's also his quote-unquote boss, but 30 owners. He's just the commissioner. He was not acting alone. He had to have the full backing of those owners, so they deserve some applause also here if we're going to go there. And the, the other point was to me, Stephen A., that what else could he have done yesterday? What, how could he have not said exactly what he said? How could he have not used the full, broad reach of his powers to drop that hammer that he dropped? Because, remember, the, the, the players, and we'll discuss a little bit more in a minute, they, they were preparing to boycott and remember, there was outrage across the board. This wasn't just an NBA story. This has become a national story. This was leading CNN. This was on the front page of USA Today. And Donald Sterling had become the easiest target in America. Was there anyone publicly, anyone anywhere publicly, who was defending Donald Sterling? Nope. I don't think so. I mean, I don't know anybody. Maybe there's some closet racists who are applauding Donald Sterling. His I don't know. His wife saying he wasn't a racist. What's that's that? Only, his wife saying he wasn't a racist. Okay. That's it. Okay, that's yeah. all. Okay. Yeah, well, we're else. not so, interested in hearing from her because she has her own check thank you. and pass. Absolutely. Go ahead. We'll, we'll, Very get true. To, we'll get Eventually. to her in a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So my point is, in light of the NBA having given this man a pass for 10 long years at least, I might be being kind here, after so much was detailed publicly about his racist practices in his rental property business, and so many other stories, including one in 2009 in ESPN the magazine, one written for ESPN.com by Jamel Hill, your friend, uh, about all of this man's dastardly deeds, detailed in gory detail for all to read in, in public prints. Mm -hmm. the, the NBA looked bad here and would have looked all time worse if it hadn't reacted the way it did yesterday. So what's to applaud here? They finally did what they should have done, and I said this on Monday, 
They should have done this a long, long time ago. So I'm having a hard time standing up in my seat and saying, way to go, Adam. The new commissioner is the new sheriff. He saved the day. I, I don't see it, Stephen A. I think he did exactly what he had to do without any other choice. This wasn't a 50-50 call. Well, do I side with this side or that side? There's only one side to take. And he took it and he swung the hammer from the heels and said, lifetime ban. Are we surprised? No. And he said, we will exercise our clause in which three-quarters of the vote of these owners, and I do have them behind me, will remove this man from ownership. Are we surprised by that? What else would you expect him to say yesterday? He said it, and he delivered it with passion and emotion, and he basically, in the end, said what everybody in the audience was trying to say themselves. Sure. So, way to go, Adam. I, I like the delivery, but... Mm -hmm. Not all that impressed with the outcome because the outcome was inevitable. No choice. No way out. It's nice for you to say that. What I would ask you to understand is that particularly as it pertains to emotions emanating from the African-American community, forgive us if we don't feel that way. Forgive us if we don't look at white folks in extremely powerful positions and say, they had no choice because throughout American history, white America has always shown us that it has a choice, which is why we celebrate when something goes our way. In theory, I understand where you're coming from. And one would believe Adam Silver had absolutely no choice, but he could have used the words indefinitely to qualify the suspension. He could have said five years. He could have said two years or indefinitely or five years while we pursue getting rid of Donald Sterling. He could have said a lot of things. It might not have whetted our appetites. It might not have satisfied us. It would have infuriated somebody like myself along with the players and how they felt or whatever. But it would not have been the first time that we've been infuriated over a decision emanating from the power structure that exists in this country. So let's understand that when you're celebrating, yeah, Adam Silver was the direct target of our euphoria yesterday because he was the one that made an announcement that we all believed should have been forthcoming, was completely apropos and necessary. But it didn't necessarily mean it was going to happen, which is why we sat in suspense even as we did this show yesterday, with you articulating, we'll see, we'll see, because we simply didn't know what was going to come down. Now what I would say to you, and I understand and appreciate your position, and again, you're not wrong, neither is Jamel Hill and the brilliant job she did yesterday, neither, neither is Bomani Jones and the brilliant job he continuously does in elocuting uh, the sentiments emanating from our community. But there's a little bit of pragmatism that needs to be incorporated here. If you are a guy, for example, you're Donald Sterling. Everybody wants to bring up the fact that there was, you know, remnants of things that were going on throughout the years in Los Angeles. Well, keep in mind, Donald Sterling wasn't trying to become an owner of the Los Angeles Clippers. He was already the owner of the Los Angeles Clippers. So it's not like you invited the dude in knowing his background. He was in already. And when did he come into the league, Skip? He came into the league as an owner in 1981. 
at that time, what was the NBA? It was on tape delay. Commissioner Stern wasn't even here yet as the commissioner. He was general counsel. Not only that, but it was, a, it was the perception of the league, the image. It was drug infested. Terrible. It was violent. I you know, know all of this other stuff. So he invested in the league at that particular moment in time and was a facilitator ultimately because he's one of the owners who approved David Stern's ultimate arrival as commissioner of the NBA. So now you have this residue of, 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 of racism and bigotry and all of this stuff following him. But the Department of Justice came after this man and couldn't get him. They well, had to settle. Now, now wait a second. They, they got him, but he settled, which, again, is some admission of guilt. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Donald Sterling was on the record, in writing, laughing. It was in the LA I didn't Times. Pay a dime. I read it to you. Yeah. I didn't pay a dime. Yeah. He said it's the insurance company paid million. the settlement. There was no admission of guilt. Etc. What did we say, for example, Skip, when we were talking about the NFL and their settlement with the retired players with the concussion issue and all of this other stuff? We uphold, we, we, we abhorred the fact that the NFL didn't have to acknowledge or admit any culpability. They just gave them some money and it was considerably less than what we had projected, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. So we understand that in our court system, when you settle, particularly when there's no admission of guilt, that it doesn't necessarily mean guilt. So you've got that going on. You've got the Elgin Baylor case, which Elgin Baylor lost, despite his accusations. Outside of that, what you had was a bunch of people telling you about the, the, the just, this heinous words, the despicable behavior of this guy. Jam Jamel Hill, Bamani Jones, yourself, me, Everybody, no matter how disgusting we may find that, we are smart enough to know that in today's world, in that system, that is not enough to get rid of a man as an owner of a franchise. It's just that simple because he's not an employee. He's an employer. Okay, and just, that's just the difference. One more quick point of order. Jay Adonde points out that before a Clippers-Lakers game in 2010, four years ago, the great Phil Jackson said to the group of reporters regarding Donald Sterling and his behavior and racist tendencies and said, how many incidents do we have on file? Question mark. He's just saying, how long, what, what all do we need here before we take action? And then yesterday, we had our new commissioner ask a very tough question about basically how did you give this man a pass for so long and Adam Silver said I can't speak to past actions other than to say that when specific evidence was brought to the NBA we acted acted how I'm unaware I don't know how they acted neither am I okay so ne 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 but, but Skip what I'm trying to say to you is that it ain't too hard to comprehend what did and didn't happen and why the real onus is on us the media particularly the folks in los angeles where were you that's the reality i mean i don't i don't look at commissioner stern and all of them and saying well, well you know what were you supposed to do i mean you can you get rid of him or can't you and if you can't get rid of him why would you be a promoter of advertising the heinous things that he thinks and says when it could potentially diminish and ultimately disintegrate your brand, which is a multi-billion dollar establishment. Why would you do that? 
You're not going to do that to jeopardize the business. So when we sit up here in an uproar and act like we don't comprehend how so much stuff could have been swept under the rug, well, we got to look at ourselves. Because it ain't their job to air their own dirty laundry and compromise their own billions to appease us. That's the reality. It's as cold-blooded as that sounds. It happens to be true every single place you look in the world of business, not just here, but globally. We understand it. Let's stop acting like we don't know. Okay. And then finally, remember... Adam Silver's worked for the NBA since 1992. He's been commissioner, former Commissioner Stern's right-hand man for, what, a decade at least? He's been right there at the flashpoint of every issue. He's a smart man. He knows the score. He knew yesterday, if he had dared to use the word indefinitely, I'm sorry, um, what was your word? uh, uh, Indefinite? Yes, he said that. Like indefinitely instead of lifetime. Indefinitely, okay? So if you use the word indefinitely, that would be the flashpoint word yesterday. That would be the signal that the players were poised to pounce on to boycott the games last night. It is on hair trigger. They were poised to boycott every game, all three games, all six teams poised to walk off the floor. Wow. Well, you can say the players won, but I don't think the commissioner had any choice here because he knew he was in the wrong. I don't think he did either. But that still doesn't mean that you can't applaud him for doing the obvious. For doing okay. the necessary. I'm not trying, I mean, nobody's trying to anoint him and erect a statue and act like suddenly, you know what, mm-hmm. you know, he, he can't do no wrong. You're simply taking a moment to sit there and say thank you for doing what obviously needed to be done. That's, well That's all said. you're doing. It, it obviously needed to be done, and he did it. Stephen, you asked about the vote. We're just now hearing sources tell our Mark Stein that the NBA Advisory and Finance Committee will have a conference call on Thursday to determine when and where this vote will take place. Uh, gentlemen, it bear needs with to me. Take place next week to ten days. Let's it move needs on. To be right then. And let's talk about emotions.